You are listening to the Delay and Pray podcast, episode number 33. Welcome to the Delay and Pray podcast, where certified Catholic and weight loss coach Beth Bubick teaches you how to permanently lose weight through spiritual fasting. Get ready to gain faith and lose weight through a joyful transformation of both body and soul. Now, your host, Beth, the Catholic Fasting Coach. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. So glad you're joining me this week. I have a wonderful guest today that is going to talk about just thriving as a woman and a Catholic mom in the military. And I want us all to just really start to fast and pray for all these amazing women uh, that are doing so much for our freedom. Um, as members of the military. So I asked her to come on today because we are fasting for freedom these next few months in my course, and it is the week of 4th of July as I record this, and the USA is in full swing of celebration, parties. We're having so much fun, including fireworks going off just about every night, beautiful displays that are put on by lakes and cities, and of course, you know, the individuals popping off all kinds of firecrackers and bottle rockets and little kids running everywhere with sparklers, putting those through the air. So this is a really, really fun time at least at my house, and I know several other people's as well around the country. And we joined together as a country to celebrate our freedoms from tyranny and oppression. But we must know that these things are always looming in so many different forms. And so we celebrate and have a wonderful time this holiday, but we also must be vigilant that tyranny, censure, and oppression in the forms of socialism, communism, and just any other atheistic type of government or cultural realm doesn't take over this great country that we live in. And at this time, they are all threats. They're actually always threats. Um, My mom used to always say, nothing really changes. Everything stays the same. We all must fast and pray all the time, but we just must be vigilant that all of our freedoms stay in place because this is really important to all of us and our families. So there are many entities that are protecting us right now. First of all, there is great hope because the Blessed Mother is asking us to fast and pray for the church, the nation, and the world. She's calling us to bring all people back to the heart of Jesus because that is why we're here, is to be with Jesus. And this is our first task and duty as Catholics and Christians. In fact, in 1792, the first bishop of the United States, John Carroll, he was the only Catholic signer of the Declaration of Independence. He consecrated our nation to Mary under her title, the Immaculate Conception. And in 1846, the United States bishops united unanimously chose Mary under that title as patroness of the United States of America. She is our national protector and mother. She asks us to pray and fast for freedom at all times, but especially at this time of the year. She is the model for all women, and we can courageously follow her call. So after we begin to fast and pray, we can do many other things to join the fight of keeping our freedoms. We can get involved in our churches, our local government, and stand up with voices and charities for sure. We can also support and pray for our military who are actively giving their whole lives to protect 
protect our freedoms and this nation. So let me introduce to you one of those amazing military officers, Megan Gephardt. She's a fellow Catholic coach and army officer who is fighting for our country as well as for military women all over this world. She's doing phenomenal things for our country and church, and I think you're going to love, love this episode. Megan Gephardt is a Catholic wife, a mom to two boys, an active duty army officer, a life coach, a pre and postnatal fitness coach, an advocate for mothers and families in the military. She's a West Point graduate, has served in the Army's intelligence and public affairs fields, and is currently in a public relations and strategic communications role. Over the last three years, she's coached dozens of high-achieving women in the military and other male-dominated environments to build more work-life balance, pursue their health and fitness goals through motherhood, and live out their faith more fully and courageously. The advocacy work she helped spearhead over the last few years led to significant policy changes for pregnancy, postpartum, and parenthood in the military, and she was one of the 30 members across the Army recently appointed to the first women's initiative team in history. That is amazing, Megan. Megan is the host of a top 2% globally ranked podcast called Armed to the Heart, and it is phenomenal. You need to go and listen to Megan. She has so much information there, and I will link that in the show notes. It's called Armed to the Heart. And her dream is to found a crisis pregnancy nonprofit to provide life-affirming support for the approximate 18,500 military women around the world who experience unplanned pregnancy each year, approximately 40% of whom get an abortion. That is a lot of women. And she hopes to start this mission in the near future, and we're going to talk about it all. All right, without further ado, let me introduce you to Megan Gephardt. How are you, Megan? I'm good. Thank you so much, Beth, for having me on and um, just such a kind introduction. I love everything that you shared. And um, yes, we share so so many passions in common. And I think it's beautiful what you're doing with fasting for freedom and praying for freedom. So needed. Oh, it's, it's amazing. I'm so glad you're here. I cannot wait to talk about it all. So why don't we start with, um, you just got back uh, from being away from your family, your two little kids for two months. Why don't we start there? Tell us about what it's like to be a woman, an active army officer in the military and the work it takes. I know you love it, but also the courage, you know, that you're, you're having to partake as being a mom in the military. Yeah, absolutely. So just to put it in perspective, we have spent in our last five years of marriage as of July, over half of that time apart. Um, And so that was being stationed apart. That was for field training exercises, for rotations or deployments. And um, it's just, it's part of the life. And so our life has been full of instability and a lot of time apart just in our marriage and then with the kids as well. So this past two months, I was away for a training course that was required for my career progression, a specialty course. And then my husband, before that, for the six months before that, I was solo parenting with the kids while he was stationed apart from us. And so now we're, we just finished up these last eight months of us being apart and we're finally reunited as a family. So very happy to be back home. So yeah, that's, that's a little bit more about where we're at right now. Um, but just to answer your question, what it's like to be a mom in the military. Oh man, where do I even begin? So there, I think there are so many pressures. There's so many ups and downs. There's so many ways that I think it just forces us to lean on God's grace that much more because there's so much unpredictability. There's so much instability. There is so much that is outside of our control. And I know for me, I absolutely felt like it was easy to to feel like because so much is imposed on us and so much is not 
within our kind of decision-making power, it was easy to feel like a victim to all of that and to feel very trapped in it, to be very honest, um, early on in my motherhood. And I think as a as a Catholic wife and mom too, or, or someone who really just takes a lot of pride in your faith and you really want to live that out. I think for me, it was, it felt very stifling to be in the military at first because I felt like it was hard to, as soon as I became a mother, I was like, okay, how can I live out my vocation in marriage and motherhood faithfully while still serving when I'm constantly pulled away from my family and I'm pulled apart from my baby way more often than I would like to. And I was, I mean, everything from having to leave my baby when he was just two months old to for six work weeks of time away from him for field training, I was out there pumping with, you know, zero running water, electricity, none of that. I was pumping for him as much as I could while I was away so I could continue to give milk back to him, um, you know, back home and just a lot of, a lot of craziness. And so just so many things that we can't, I don't know, we can't predict, we can expect. And so with that, it's, there's a lot that it's easy to feel anxious about um, for the future. But one thing that the Lord just convicted me and when I was on a I was on a run, like a prayer run. I call it prayer runs when I I'll go for a run if I need to relieve stress and pray. And I just kind of combine the two together. And I remember this was before we moved here to Texas. And I remember I was just I was feeling really anxious about how is everything going to work out for the kids. We had a really hard time with Matthew, our four-year-old son, in his last daycare experience, and we don't really have that much choice sometimes in what we use for childcare because there's only certain things that can work with our military schedules. We have like 12-hour work days, and so with that, um, we just had a hard time with him. And so I was, I was kind of hoping and praying everything would work out. We were still waiting on childcare to be worked out in the next duty station. And I was like, I don't know if the army is going to take care of our family. And I was so feeling so worried about that. And God just reminded me, Megan, you don't have to put your trust in the army. You can put your trust in me. I am going to take care of your family. And so I feel like that's kind of been my, my mantra is just how much can I lean on God's grace through every single bit of it. And to be very honest too, I think um, something that I've learned really the hard way through walking through a lot of the valleys that come with military life and, and just trying the best I can to juggle all the things is that God really can bring redemption through the struggle and through the pain and through the suffering. And so many of the challenges that I walked through in my early motherhood that I had I had barely any support for is what catapulted me into my my calling and my passion. And God just wanted to use it all. He didn't want to waste any of it. And so that's what spurred me into a lot of the advocacy work that I did for mothers who serve. And we we're able to make so many positive changes. So that's a like, little bit more um, a, of a gist of what my life has looked like over the last you know five years that we've been serving. And before that, it was four years at West Point at the Military Academy. Oh my goodness. And so through all of this, how did she find Catholic coaching? Because you and I both know, we we met at Metnoia Catholic through the, the coaching academy there. Mm-hmm. And oh my goodness. So we both talk about all the time how Catholic coaching has changed our own lives. I mean, yes, we're coaching other people, but personally, I mean like a different person because of it. Um, because you know, we have our circumstances, which are the facts of our lives. And it's how we choose to think about it, how we choose to lean on God, how we choose to basically make our lives in light of our, in light of our circumstances that brings the joy with the sorrow. No matter what we're going to do, there's always going to be sorrow. So you got to, you got to find that joy and you got to hold them at the same time. So what brought you into the Catholic coaching as a military person? Yeah, well, it was kind of, I feel like a roundabout way, but it was so much of an answer prayer. I I actually first landed on a different form of coaching, which you probably saw in my bio. Um, I also am a, a pregnancy and postpartum fitness coach. And that's where I started because... 
that's what I was first exposed to. And so when I had been walking through the trenches of, of navigating, feeling very stuck and trapped in military life, and I was staring down four more years, basically, of service, three or four more years of a service obligation. So like I couldn't actually leave. So when you talk about feeling like a victim to your circumstances, when you're, you really are in some ways feeling like you're stuck in a prison, and then you're, you're also going through, I was going through postpartum depression and anxiety. I was feeling, I was struggling through a postpartum recovery that I didn't actually have adequate time to heal because I jumped back into everything immediately. I took a fitness test at six weeks postpartum in order to get my family station back together sooner because I was I was not allowed to go to my training course pregnant. So there was pregnancy discrimination. So all these things. So anyways, it was, I feel like in many ways, um, eventually the answered prayer, but my first answered prayer was I was really praying about it and turning to God and was like, Lord, I know that you have a purpose in this suffering and I don't see it right now. And I just want to trust you in it. And I just want to, I feel like I really need to live out my faith more fully. And I was reading some of Edith Stein's work and she was talking about basically how sometimes women, we end up, how women are needed in all areas of society, in all kinds of professions, um, the feminine genius kind of way she talked about it. And one thing I remember reading was for women who find themselves in a more male, kind of a masculine or male-dominated uh, profession, who may be well-suited to it and succeed in it, you end up feeling this immense pressure that kind of comes to the surface because you've been forced to almost fill your post just like a man, is the way she put it. And so that stifled feminine um, nature wants to reassert itself. And I was feeling that. I was like, this, I, I feel so seen because I felt so stifled in my ability to live out my faith. And I think one thing that is, that's a challenge in the military, and it's sort of this dichotomy because we're fighting for freedom, yet sometimes I feel like our freedoms really are sacrificed in order to serve, um, whether it's our time or our ability to be with our family, our ability to choose where we live, um, just all, you know, even just having to sometimes sacrifice your life, right? Or, or go into these dangerous environments and dangerous training missions even, because it's not just when we're on a deployment across the world, but also in training. Um, all of that definitely uh, was, was, I feel like, a factor. And I finally felt so seen in that. So I started coaching through pregnancy and postpartum fitness. And I was like, I just want to be who I needed. But I still felt this felt so compelled to integrate faith into that somehow because it was a big part of who I am. And I was like, I want to serve women holistically. And so I kind of wandered my way eventually to to the coaching community, the life coaching community, because I needed it. Absolutely. I was like, my, I was drowning in the mess in the home. I was just trying to survive, um, you know, dual military life, these crazy work schedules and was feeling like I was failing in all of it. And I was like, I don't feel like I'm able to be who God has created me to be. And then as soon as I started to be exposed to some of these tools, like you said, the ability to renew your mind and understanding what that can look like and how to process your emotions when you're going through really hard things. I mean, that's those are life skills that I feel like every single person needs. And I think so many of us as women of faith, we have such a strong faith and we have prayer life and we pray so much and we, but it's, but there's a different sort of skill set when it comes to the practical dimension of learning how to manage your mind and, and manage your emotions in the sense of processing them in healthy ways, instead of turning to, you know, you talk a lot about, right. Um, instead of turning to maybe distractions or food or alcohol or whatever, social media, even right. It, all of these things. And I definitely was falling into a lot of that. And so it just was this, I, when I finally came to it, it was, I don't know, this whole world was opened up for me and it was like, just so much grace. I felt like I was then able to receive in different ways because I just knew how to open my heart more. 
and I knew how to open my ears more to hear the Lord's voice. And I knew how to discern then between the enemy's voice and the Lord's voice and how much my mind was a spiritual battleground. And so I'm fighting like all these battles in military life, like we're preparing literally for battle. And then we're also fighting the daily battle of being a working mom, of being a woman in the military who is very alone oftentimes as a woman in the environment, as a mother in the environment, as a woman of faith in the environment. You're like the minority of the minority of the minority at that point. And so it is many battles. And I think that is what has just equipped me for it is all of these tools. And so I'm very grateful for all of that. Um, I first was exposed to the women's school. That was my kind of first exposure to it. And then I um, I found Metanoia Catholic because a lot of the women's school strategists ended up, um, you know, pursuing more Catholic coaching, uh, you know, certification. And so, yeah, sorry, roundabout way of describing, but I wanted to give the context because I think it's all it's all just integrated into my story and what has shaped me really into who I am today. Oh, absolutely. I just love it. So, I mean, scripture says that, you know, we must renew our minds and our thoughts always end up in our results. So, you know, we do have to embrace all of the things that are happening in our lives, our circumstances, and when you are stuck and and everybody's stuck in some way, uh, you know, in, you know, air quotes stuck. Um, but we cannot really afford the victim mentality because it, it really does close in on our lives and makes us unhappy. Instead, we can kind of live out, like you said, live out your mission, find the purpose in the suffering. And I love, I love the part that you're talking about is, um, I think a lot of women feel forced to feel the, the post uh, to fill the post like a man. And we don't have to, we can use all of our feminine genius, like the blessed mother to actually complete the mission, no matter what we're on. So, yeah. um, sounds to me like we're all trying to go from striving to thriving is basically where, what we're trying to do. Oh, yeah. And I want to talk a little bit about, you just came off. Can you tell us a little bit about coming off of, um, two months being away from your kids? Um, what that was like. And then I really want to, I really want to talk about this, um, stat that you talked about where, um, approximately, let's just call it 19,000 military women around the world experiencing unplanned pregnancies, 40% get an abortion. And this is startling to me. And I know that, um, I know that, you know, abortions are funded by taxpayers at this point, um, in our current government, there's just a lot of things going on. It's very uncomfortable, but this is why we, this is why we fast and pray is to get an answer to this. And so this is not only, <laughs> I want to hear about what you're doing for the military, but then on the side here with this nonprofit that you wanted, you're dreaming about starting, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So, oh man, I feel like before we get into this, I have to give the disclaimer. This is my Please personal do. opinion, right? This does not represent the army or the department of defense. Um, and so, and, and I think this is always challenging to navigate because when we are in the military, we do represent the uniform and obviously I'm here to provide the perspective, but, but this is challenging. These are really sticky subjects that are very, very politicized today and everything. And so that is one of the dimensions of, of being, in the military that sometimes I feel like we can face, um, whether it's religious persecution or whether it's feeling censored in your faith, I think we can really feel that as military leaders because we want to we want to glorify God in all that we do. We want to to ex exemplify Christ-like leadership, and we want to share the gospel. Yet we have to be very careful, right? Like what we what we do in uniform, and so so I just. I kind of wanted to say that as well. And I think one of the dimensions, you said, fill the post just like a man. I'll just touch on that really quick before we move on. I really feel like in many ways, as a woman in the military, you feel so much more pressure when it comes to the striving piece, because 
every bit of your time in the military, you feel like you have to earn your seat at the table. You have to prove your value. Literally, we're told by everybody who mentors us, you have to prove your value. It's just part of the game. And so like we ingrain that so deeply into our mentality. And I think that has been a huge part of my healing journey that the Lord has been taking me on is learning how can I rest in my identity in Him so that I don't feel like every second I'm having to fight for my worth. And yes, there's a dimension of we got to prove ourselves through our performance. We got to earn credibility through our performance. But at the same time, I don't now, now I don't walk around feeling like I've, I don't know, I've got, I have to prove my inherent dignity and worth at every step of the way, which is what I definitely felt for a long time. And so that is, there's just like a new level of, I think, confidence in the Lord and my identity being in Him. So that's a huge part of it. And then that frees us our ability to actually rest when we feel like we, you know what I mean? We're not continually having to strive and do more and more and more to earn, to measure up, to earn our worth through all of our success and external achievements and the validation we might receive from those things. That was my whole entire life was super competitive, you know, high achieving driven environments. And I'm, I'm a driven person. You guys probably can tell. Um, but at the same time, I've learned how to rest. I've learned how to be and not just do. And it's it's a growth journey. It's a continual growth journey. So part of, to answer your question on how was this last two months away from my kids? So I went to the specialty course for public affairs officers. So this is the field of strategic communication, public relations, media relations, community relations. So that's my specialty area in the Army. And so we were alongside all other military services, both officers as well as uh, senior non-commissioned officers and some uh, Department of Defense civilians as well going through this. And it was in the DC area in um, at Fort Meade, Maryland. And so my kids were here with my husband. This was, he got there, got home two days before I left for this training course. He barely made it. And so we had like a quick high five handoff of the kids after I was, I was with them myself for the last six months. And then we just switched out and then I had to leave and they came to visit me for a two week period of time. But other than that, like we had to be part. And so I was still my, um, let's see, I think my youngest is about 18 months old at this time. I was still breastfeeding him. So I was pumping for the first month while I was away from him. I And so how do you do that? Do you, how do you send the milk? <laughs> so I actually just, I saved the milk um, in the freezer and then I gave it to my mom who was t- in Richmond. So pretty close to where I was um, to hand it off when they came to visit. So that way he could use it when I was visiting. And then I actually chose not to pump for the second month because I was like, you know what, it's a little bit too much. And I will, I know that I trust my body enough to resume nursing mm-hmm. on the way back, even after a month of, of not, because I've that in the past um, with different military training. And so, so anyway, so I didn't know if I was going to continue on when I came back, but we've resumed and it's been fine. Oh. The first few days were like sort of dry nursing because I doubt I had too much milk, but now he's like happy to nurse back down to sleep and down for a nap. And so anyways, I just feel like in many ways it's, it's something I can choose. And because that's one of the things we feel oftentimes in the military is like, we feel forced to choose between. That's kind of our common story as women. We feel forced to choose between our family and our work, the service that we feel called to, like, because it is a calling when you choose to serve and, and like raise your right hand to support and defend the constitution of the United States. Like we are, we are willing to sacrifice, right? But at the same time, then when you start to feel called to start a family or to grow your family, then it introduces a whole new decision-making calculus and you start to feel like, okay, now I really feel, I'm not sure if it's right for me to stay in, or I'm not sure if I can do this to the extent that I feel called to. So that's, that's the challenge. And I think um, tying it now to 
like the the issue of of abortion, right? So something that I experienced early on in my motherhood, I actually was scheduled to go to a, I earned a global affairs um, graduate scholarship out of West Point. And so I was competing for like really big name scholarships, the Rhodes, Marshall, the Cambridge. I earned the Schwarzman scholarship. So I was going to go to Beijing, China. I was a week away from this. We had just gotten married a month prior. We had gotten my husband settled into his uh, little apartment in his training course location. And I was going to leave for a year for this grad school program that I had earned. This was the culmination of years and years of hard work um, at the military academy, and it was institutionally endorsed. I had, you know, received a lot of letters of recommendation leading up to it and everything. And one week away from leaving for China, my bags already packed, had all my documents ready to go. We found out that we were pregnant. And it was an immense change of plans, of course. And so with that, I couldn't go to my scholarship because this was a year-long program, the other side of the world. I wouldn't have medical support. And just the nature of the program is very immersive and travel-based and all kinds of things. And then I also simultaneously couldn't go to my Army training course because the policy was discriminatory for preg- against pregnancy. And so I was, like, stuck. I Basically, um, this is one of those situations that so many military women find themselves in where you feel like, okay, well— it's either motherhood or my career. And if you choose motherhood or you choose to maybe keep a baby when it's really hard, let's just say, or to be open to life when it's really, really hard or when there's a lot on the line, like in my situation, there's a lot on the line, you know, and sometimes it means you have to give all of that up. And on the other side of the coin, sometimes it means that some people do choose an abortion, especially if you don't have a strong faith in, in you know, kind of trust that, okay, I don't see where God is going with this. And this is the absolute worst timing in our eyes and the last thing we felt ready for. But God has a plan and we trust him in that. And so like for us, our faith is what carried us through that. And we always wanted to be parents, but I was like down the road, maybe a couple of years, right? Um, but it, we knew it was the greatest gift we could ever receive, but it was just like, why God, why now? Um, so anyway, so military women, we can find ourselves in all these situations, though, where we, you basically could get kicked out of your job for being pregnant, or you could be discriminated against, or all the stigmas that are in place could prevent you from, um, you know, continuing forward in your career, uh, or basically be be persecuted on the basis of pregnancy. There are policies in place to protect discrimination, however. That's why we did all the policy advocacy work in the last few years, because it didn't square with what the policies actually stated. We had a non-discrimination equal opportunity policy, yet I was looking, I was staring at this policy in front of me that prevented me from going to this course. And I was like, this does not make sense, you know? And so we finally got this changed. That exact policy that prevented me from going is now changed. And so wow. many others as well. It's It's been incredible. And so, you know, generations of military women have reached back out to me. You interviewed Mama Jane the other day. She was like, Megan... Oh my gosh, like just she cried when she heard my story. She cried when she saw like all these policy changes because she's like, if all of this, if I knew you when I was serving, like it may have been different, right? And I think so many, so for so many of, I don't know, for me, it's healing, right? Like I think that's part of the work we're called to do. And whether it's in life coaching or whether it's in any kind of form of profession, our calling oftentimes is, it's really born of our pain. It's born of our wounds. And those, challenges we've walked through. And that's part of why it's so healing to do this work, right? So that hopefully I can make things better for the women who follow so that you don't have to be forced to choose between. So anyway, so when I was away for, for with, you know, for my family for the last two months, it was challenging because I, you know, I of course wanted to be there with them. I wanted to support my husband. I wanted to, you know, when, when you can't take care of their physical, their mental, emotional, spiritual well-being, and you have to do that from afar, it's, 
it's challenging, but it's also a matter of trusting my husband. It was a matter of trusting because that was kind of his first long stint of solo parenting. It's always pretty much been me. Um, and he's been on the rotations like early postpartum. He's only been there for the first month of both of our babies. And then the rest of the last six, you know, the next six months we were apart. So I've been more used to it, but he kind of had to figure it out himself. And I think he gained a great appreciation of what I've done in his absence. Um, but at the same time, it's really reinforced to us as a couple how much we do need each other and how much we complement each other in marriage and in our um, motherhood and fatherhood and our complementary roles and all of those things, right? And so when I was apart, for me, it was almost, I felt like it was this extended retreat where I was, you know, now I had sort of this abundance of time in some ways. Like I didn't really, cause I had a full work schedule and I had a lot of things. I was, I was still, you know, doing my um, small business, my, my uh, podcast and everything like that. And then my, my training course was, um, it was like 12 credit hours worth of material spanned across two months. So like really, really intensive graduate level course. And with that though, I still had more time. Like I could go on walks, I could go on runs, I could pray so much. And I just was in this like deep, deep unity with the Lord throughout that whole time. And I felt like in many ways, I was just, um, I don't know, just deeper layers and layers and layers of, again, kind of like surrender and and still healing and like uniting my work with him and, and dedicating, like consecrating my family to him more, um, trusting him more in my work and trusting um, him also in his plans for our military life. We discerned in that period of time, even though I absolutely love the field I'm in, you guys can hear the passion that I have for the military. We actually discern that it's time for me to transition in about a year so that we can give our family more stability. We've got some yeah. deployments on the horizon. We've got more time apart, a lot more time apart. Um, and so I'll be transitioning in about a year. And I feel like God has been preparing the way for me to transition more fully into the mission he has for me, which is to continue to advocate for military women and military mothers and to start the nonprofit um, crisis pregnancy uh, network. And what I really envision for it is for it to be, you know, there's like those 24-7 hotlines where somebody can call, you know, worldwide for suicide or for sexual assault or something like that, even for other um, crisis pregnancies. But I want one to be uniquely tailored towards receiving military women in their time of crisis, somebody who can speak the language, who can understand understand these are the unique challenges that they are experiencing that makes them feel backed into the corner right now without support and without help and and without hope so that we can meet them in that time of need and give them the hope of a way forward and that life-affirming support that they need to feel like they actually have a choice and that choice doesn't have to be made for them right and so that's my vision for it and I want to basically be able to connect them with all the resources that are local to their area um, of where they're stationed oh, I love and that. sometimes it's like maybe they're on a deployment in a combat yeah. zone and they find out they're pregnant unexpectedly and like what are you supposed to do then and so those are all the situations that you know we'll be equipped to help support them through so that's my, oh. that's my vision for it I love it I love your vision and I wanted to ask you a couple of questions I just think that is beautiful absolutely beautiful and absolutely necessary so tell me a little bit about you know why it is completely necessary that women are in the military I think people want to know that like what do, mm. what do women bring to the military I mean, as army officers, like tell us just a little bit. Yeah. And not just officers, but I think in every, right, in every rank and every field, there's so many different job specialties in the military um, that are, are very unique. I mean, it's like, it's a whole entire profession that is, of course, we're the profession of arms, but we do so much more than that. And you look at like all the missions we have around the world and we're 
I mean, we're, we're doing so much work more than just the use of force. And I think one of the biggest things that I see is especially that I've, I've kind of learned, and this was, again, through a lot of growth in, in prayer and, and faith as well, but I have absolutely become a better leader being a mother. I have become much more empathetic. I've become a better problem solver, mm-hmm. a better manager of people. Like, you know what I mean? Because you're managing a household, you're managing a home and a lot of moving pieces. And you you can uniquely be attuned to the, again, like I said, the the physical, the mental, emotional well-being of your children. And I think I, I approach leadership in a very similar way. And I think for me, I've embraced the call to bring more humanity to our profession that sometimes can feel like it's at risk of losing its humanity because the nature of it, right? Like look at our mission, sometimes look at like how we have to, we sometimes have this macho culture because it's so physically rigorous because there are so many men around and it's, um, anyways, it can just be that way. And so we sometimes need, we need the feminine genius. Absolutely. We need more humanity. And I think women are uniquely attuned to that. And so I really have just tried to, to make the organization better in every single way that I can and not barring my low rank at certain points in time my husband one time was like do you realize like the impact that you've made you're just a lieutenant in the army and I'm like I don't, it doesn't matter like what our rank is we're, we're called to make a difference and be the hands and feet of Christ and for me in some ways like in places where I feel like there's darkness even in the military because there's darkness everywhere right but like in the military in places where I sometimes feel like there's darkness like I want to be that source of light and that's just what I have really felt compelled to do and I see so many of the women that I I coach and that I support and mentor they I think they in many ways have given given different perspectives in leadership than the men do they take care of people differently they think differently. We all solve problems differently. And so when we have that diversity, we can just be a stronger team across the board and we can better take care of the people who make the mission possible, right? Because at Mm -hmm. the end of the day, like we, if we're going to retain talent in our profession, or if we're going to recruit like talented people into the military who are good leaders of character, who have good moral compasses, which we need in the military, then we have to also take care of our people because it's a, you can tell it's, it's kind of shared by families. So most of military service members have a family member who served before them. And oftentimes it's, it's more rare to see military service members join that are outside of that kind of scope. So, um, so yeah, I, I just, oh man, I could talk about that forever, but those are a couple of the pieces. I love that. I love that you're just talking about, um, every woman at this point, can embrace her feminine genius and we need it. We need to embrace all, all that we are as a woman. We don't have to compete at all with men. We just have to embrace our feminine genius, use all of the characteristics that God gave us to create a better world alongside that the males that are in our lives and and everyone that is working yeah. as well. And I love that you you say that you know there's freedom in trusting your body, there's freedom in knowing your dignity before God and that we are worthy just by being a daughter of God and our identity is in him. And that is something I think that just needs to be shouted from the rooftops because we don't have to strive. We know we we are good by nature and we we can lean on him for everything and, and be, and be smart too. And I also love that challenges and pain do form changes, policy changes, changes all the time. I mean, that's, that's why we're celebrating 4th of July right now. Everybody was tired of being under tyranny. 
Okay. And so they fought very hard for our freedoms. And so we can fight too, not only with fasting and prayer, but, but on the ground, like you are like, you know, on the battlefield, not only in our minds, but on the actual battlefield as well. Um, to end this, I just want to ask you a little bit about what it's like to be a Catholic, um, and what's available for you as a Catholic in the army. You know, that my nephew is a Navy chaplain now he's, he's been in the Navy. It'll be a year, uh, in November. And he literally is helicoptered from ship to ship, sometimes like 16 different ones. Um, there's only 27 Navy chaplains right now and that's not all Catholic. Okay. So he, he has to go say mass on a lot of ships, taking care of thousands of military members who are Catholic. Um, and, and to be honest, he loves every moment of it. He, he was, he was made for this. And you know, when he went into seminary, he was 400 pounds. He worked very hard to get to 198 to, to do all the fitness tests. It was grueling. It was grueling. I just remember yes, all that he had to do to get in and he got in and people were like, are you crazy? Why do you want to do this? It's, he just, what he was called, he's always been called to serve and, um, he is now serving and, um, I just, God bless him. I pray for him all the time. Love him so much. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So, you know, I think we said right before we jumped on the actual um, interview, there is a deficit of Catholic chaplains in the military. And so oftentimes we don't have access to priests if we're in remote locations or if we're, you know, at a, at a duty station that's smaller. And even at our installations that are larger, oftentimes they're so spread thin, like trying to trying to balance all of their responsibilities to both the units and to, you know, the the actual um, parish that they they aren't maybe as accessible as as we would hope, um, or they have to be supplemented with um, with civilian priests as well and everything. And so that is one big challenge is um, is that we we may not feel like we have the support everywhere that we go. I think the other challenge that I often coach women in that I I have felt very alone in in the past is that you can feel very alone in your faith in the profession. And sometimes like there are real moral dilemmas that you are facing. And, you know, we talk about religious freedom. And I think in many ways, even in the profession of the military, we we have the onus is on us to fight for conscientious objection sometimes when it be, when it becomes a, a moral issue, when we're when we are making decisions based on policies or practices that we may disagree with due to religious or, or ethical convictions. And so those are some really challenging, challenging things. And I've had many conversations with the women that I coach. I've had many conversations with, and I've actually elevated certain things even recently with the new um, um, reproductive healthcare abortion policy within the military, um, which essentially, just to give the bottom line of it, you talked about taxpayer dollars being, being you know, funding abortion. So the military just uh, in the in the aftermath of Roe versus Wade overturn, they essentially now are providing services for those who are seeking abortion. So because in the military, we can't always choose where we live or we're stationed. Now they're providing travel and transportation allowances. So it's it's sort of an indirect funding uh, towards abortion, as well as um, paid leave time. It's a, it's a sort of administrative absence. And that is allowed now along with a later notification to your command of a pregnancy so that you have more time and space if you wanted to go seek an abortion. And so the the crux of the matter is now the military is more actively supporting abortion, first of all. Secondly, it is making it easier for women to seek abortions. And third, it actually puts a lot of leaders in really difficult situations because as a commander, 
I or my husband, we are the ones who are responsible for signing off on that authorization when they put in that request. And the way that the policy is written is essentially that it requires commanders to use, quote unquote, objectivity, compassion, and discretion when considering you know, these these aspects. And it also reminds commanders of the responsibility to combat discrimination and retaliation on the basis of this. And so when I read that, reading between the lines, it basically is is kind of difficult, right, to say no to that. And so the best thing that we can do at this point in time, and I've talked with a number of priests about this and a number of other leaders who have actually had to do this, you, you have to abstain. Um, that's the best that we can do right now is to abstain from being the one to sign off on that so that you are not support directly supporting um, or kind of morally culpable, right, in it. But at the same time, it's like if we're just punting it up to the next person to sign off on it, then it's like it's not really any better. And so that's why I'm so passionate about we got to actually counter this with real support for, for women who find themselves in a crisis pregnancy or for um, service member dependents, like wives who find themselves in a crisis pregnancy. And so, um, so that's why I'm so passionate about what it is. But, but it really sometimes takes that moral courage to do the right thing, even if it's unpopular, even if it technically may not be aligned with the most recent policy, or even if it means that you might be subject to then persecution or um, a lot of judgment from your leaders and even maybe retaliation on the basis of your convictions that you want to stand strong against. And so when I told my husband, I was like, if there's anything that would get me kicked out of the military, like if I'm going to put my stake in the ground somewhere, this is it. Like I will not do this. And I think that that's a big call for Catholics in the military now is especially leaders because you are the ones who are navigating those decisions. And it's it's like, how can we instead offer support um, and compassion and in a safe space to receive that support, right, that that they need in that moment. So oh it's my gosh. difficult. I, I love it. I love it. And you know what? I think a couple of things I've learned here is that first of all, the military is not only protecting by force, but it's also affecting policy all over the world for the USA. So that is something we need to pray, 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 and fast for you yes. because all of these uh, things are challenges and not only for your personal life, but what you are affecting for the United States of America and for military women and against especially abortion. I mean, this is really important and this is going to change lives all over. So we will pray for you. We will pray and fast. Usually I ask, how can we pray and fast for you? So I'll ask you that. Just give us a little personal, how can we actually pray and fast for you? But I, I realize now we have to pray for all the women in the military to in, just embrace this feminine genius, to embrace the courage it takes to face the moral dilemmas with you know, courage and love and compassion, but also, you know, with intelligence as well so that you can stay in the military to affect this change. So, um, you will have our support in praying and fasting. How else can we pray and fast for you and your family, Megan? Uh, I think for, I mean, if you're asking for me specifically, I think just for us to like come into greater unity as a family, as we come back together from this time apart, it's always, as I was talking with some friends, you know, who have been through this for a, a number of years as well, it is the hardest part is being reunified. There's joy, obviously, in it, but it's a lot of growing pains together because you've grown separately and then you're coming back together and you're remerging your lives together. And when you've had to handle the entire home yourself and all of those things and it's been all on you and now you're bringing the other person back in, that's hard. And so just for for deep unity in our marriage as we grow through this, as we heal from some of the ways that you know it, we've been challenged in the military and then also for our kids and in particular our older son who has really struggled a lot through a lot of the um, you know the time apart and the instability and 
you know, we're, we're helping him through that. Um, but it's, we see it a lot in him and the way it's affected him. And so we just try to be there for him in every way that we can. Um, and then for praying, uh, definitely praying for this mission. And, you know, you can reach out to me if you want to be an early supporter as I get things started. I'll be sure to share, of course, um, as this, you know, gets up and running over hopefully this next year or so. I mean, the time is now, the time is right. And I will be actively working at kind of the highest levels of continued policy change while I'm still in the military over this next year or so. And then I think that will help continue to be a launching pad to do this work um, in other capacities as well as I transition from the military. My husband will still be in and I'll be, I mean, my heart is is to serve military women. I think it's so needed. So yeah, thank you I for, love it. for asking. So you're transitioning out of the military. So you're going to be home more. You'll be home full time as your husband is deployed. So I will be, yes, I will still figure out, I'll discern what God is calling me to do as far as work and, you know, figure out our, uh, between the financial situation and uh, what he's calling me to do. But I definitely will be able to be that stability for our family. I will be able to be home while my husband is leaving. And that is a huge light at the end of the tunnel for us, honestly, because my husband, it's hard for him to see, you know, that this is never going to end, but it, it is. The good thing is like, we will at least have one person who's able to, to have that um, presence for our family. And so, yeah, I feel like God has just been very faithful to us through that decision. And it was, it was a really hard one. You talk about Mm -hmm. like your identity and oh my gosh, right? Like we oftentimes do place so much of our identity in our work. And it's like, Mm -hmm. when you introduce yourself, you introduce like, what do you do? Right. Not as much like, who are you? You're a daughter of God first and foremost, but, but oftentimes it is very tied. And when you like, your life is so deeply ingrained in in the military, it's, it's like, it's every part of you has to be shed like those layers and layers. And so as that was like part of my experience when I was away from my family and that like deep um, conversation and prayer with God was the shedding of all those layers and the wrestling with like all of these pieces of my identity that were still in the military and all of these fears and uncertainties and anxieties. And it was just like, giving them all to the Lord and letting him speak life into me in those places. So that's what I encourage to any of you who are listening to is any of those areas in your life where you feel the same to just keep leaning on the Lord and letting him in to process all of those emotions. Oh, Megan, I have a feeling you're just beginning. As I'm talking to you, this is just the beginning and being home with your kids more often, being that stable mother that's, that's home a lot. You've paid your dues. You know, you, you've seen what the military looks like. You've seen what needs to be done. And now just spending more time with your boys. Now you're going to start now. It is just the beginning. I can tell you that as like an older woman with an older mom, first time grandma, my life just started about the age of 55. I just want to tell you that. So, (laughs) so you got plenty of time, love those little boys and you, you'll never really be out. I can tell, I can tell you are going to affect more change on the, I wouldn't say outside. Um, what's the, what's the better term? It's not like you're going to be outside the military. You're still going to be able to affect change, but you're just going to be maybe on, the periphery or what would you say? Yeah, that's probably a good way to put it. And to be honest, like that's what I told my husband. I was like, I feel like I can fight for change much more with more integrity in the ways that I need to, that God is calling me to, that he's equipped me for outside of uniform. And that's, it's hard to admit that. It's hard to say that. It's hard to acknowledge and it's hard to to hang out the uniform. But at the end of the day, I I know that this is what the Lord is calling me to do. And so it's kind of another layer of sacrifice and surrender um, and, and just trusting him in that. And it is the most courageous thing. I mean, because you know now you had to do it 
And now you're, now you're going to go to places where the Lord is going to lead you to places that you never thought possible. And that's the most amazing thing. And we will pray and fast for you. I, I could talk to you about this for hours, um, but I love this. This has been one of my most favorite interviews. And we will be praying for you, unity for your family, unity for okay. the church, unity for the nation. And everyone, if you've learned one thing too, is just look at the upside of everything in your lives. I, I mean, you know, Megan, it seems like everything you're doing, you're just kind of, you always constantly look at the upside. Like, how can I, how can I do this? Well, I'm here. I'm not stuck. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just here. Okay. So the Lord has how me can, here for a reason. So yes, <laughs> I'm here. So message. how do I, how do I make really great joy out of this? Even though I have a little sorrow on the side. So you're doing that. We cannot wait to hear from you and what happens in the future. Everyone, I have all of her links in the show notes. Please go support her mission, support her podcasts, get coached by her, especially if you're in the military and we will be praying for you. And I hope everyone has enjoyed this podcast and I hope you're inspired to add fasting to your prayers for our nation, our church, and the whole world. So please consider subscribing so that others will hear the great message of spiritual fasting and get back to the sacraments this year. So Megan, thank you so much. Uh, we will be praying for you and, um, you know, delaying and praying. That's what we do. Thank you, Beth. This is such a joy. All right, go enjoy those little boys and we'll talk to you soon. Happy 4th of July, everybody. God bless. God bless. If you are interested in learning more about spiritual fasting and permanent weight loss, then come join my course, Delay and Pray, a 12-week guided course for weight loss through spiritual fasting. You won't go through it alone either. I will be there to coach you every step of the way. This is a group coaching program where you are part of an amazing community of like-minded Catholics who have the same goal as you, to bring about miracles while losing that weight permanently through spiritual fasting. Your purchase includes an online course detailing what spiritual fasting is, how to do it, and all the tools you you need to get you the results you're longing for. Head over to my website right now at thecatholicfastingcoach.com and get the details on how to join. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, and LinkedIn to always get the latest daily information to help you keep fasting, my friends. Can't wait to see you in there. May God bless you and keep you always. 